Hello and welcome to A Glimpse into the Future. My name is Rigas Hazilakos, and in this podcast series, we explore with some of the world leading experts how new technologies and ideas can help us shape our future. In this week's episode, I talk to Elaine Coventry, Head of Commercial Leadership, Western Europe, at the Coca Cola Company, and co chair of the World Economic Forum's Council on the Future of Consumption. So I was wondering, what are the major demographic trends right now shaping the future of consumption? What will the major groupings of consumer archetypes be in the future? There's some very interesting trends happening in the world right now when it comes to demographics. First and foremost, you're seeing um, aging societies, especially in, in countries where much of the global consumption or the demand uh, exists, especially in Western Europe and in Japan. In North America, it's a little bit more moderate because of the impact of immigration. Um, so that's kind of the, the um, developed world, if you will. And then when you look in uh, the emerging and developing markets, you see some really interesting trends, like huge youth population growth in Africa and the Middle East, and then um, the, the movement into the middle class with massive consumers in China and India. And how does this shape the future of consumption in the industry? Yeah, it's a great question because there's a lot of factors in there. So obviously there's a lot of opportunity. When you look at the rising middle class and especially with markets the size of China and India, there's a substantial number just you know, in absolute terms of how many people are going to come into more prosperity and who are going to want to consume different things. Um, so I think that there'll be a, a customization of those experiences that are more linked to their cultural expectations and what they're going to want to um, buy or experience, you know, whether it's a product or a service. I think one of the risks there is that if they, um, if they have the same consumption patterns that we've seen in the um, Western world, we're going to have a real crisis on our hands from an environmental perspective. So I think getting that consumption uh, patterns directed uh, to where you can kind of leapfrog some of the learnings that we've had from the Western uh, market to where you can have a more sustainable environment is going to be really important. So you mentioned sustainability. Uh, what role will our evolving values play uh, in these shifts in consumer trends? I think the, the values that we have now, I think there's just more broad, uh, widespread acceptance of the role of sustainability in design, where in the past, we had to make some corrections um, you know, for some of the unintended consequences of some of the, the consumption elements, whether that was waste or energy use, things like that. Now we're in a position where I think the role of design has really been elevated. And um, I, I know that companies are looking at how they can build in sustainable design from the beginning. So they're thinking about um, kind of the full cradle-to-cradle uh, -cradle view of the, um, the product or the package that they're, that they're making. So you think this will be a trend that will shape definitely the next 10 to 15 years? It's not just a, a current trend, the fad, uh, sharing economy is, uh, and, and circular economy are two things that we should keep an eye on. I think the circular economy, I, th I, think it's, I think it's here to stay for a couple of reasons. I don't think it's a fad because if you look at good design, good design can also be more cost efficient for you as well. So it's not something that you're just doing as an added cost if you're a company. There may be um, consumer benefits to it. There can be other benefits to your business. So I don't think it's something that's, um, that's you know, a fad or a trend. I think it's something that's here to stay. So is circular economy the only thing that you would link their consumption methods or models and economic growth? Is How can we ensure that we have responsible consumption and have economic growth at the same time going forward? 
Yeah, so I think, you know, here's a, I think there's an interesting uh, idea around the sharing economy. Right now we've been, you've seen a lot of innovation in areas where there's excess capacity, right? So if you think about your car, it's sitting in your driveway all day long. Why not use the asset to drive around, pick up people, and there you, ha you have a job with Uber, right? So same thing with Airbnb. You have a bed that's being unused or a sofa that now you can put it into um, good use to generate economic value. If you think about the sharing economy in a slightly different way, so right now if you wanted to hang a picture on the wall, you would go to your local hardware store, buy a hammer, and buy a nail. You didn't really need to buy a hammer. That's not what you wanted. You wanted a hole in the wall. So do you really need to own the hammer? Do you need the whole box of nails? Or could you have a different model, even with things like tools, where there could be um, you know, a completely different approach to how value is created for a business and how value is created for a consumer. And you might need less stuff while you could still have the same revenue stream by just shifting your business model. Is this something that we already have some examples, successful examples? I know that these sharing uh, apps uh, or uh, ideas never really took off the ground, but if you don't have, we can go to... I think, it's, I, I think actually if you look around, you'll be surprised because there's a lot of what's old is new. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's food delivery, right, and e-commerce, I mean, I can remember a milkman, right? There, that, that used to be the service, right? There was no mobile interface. Um, you kind of had to sign up and be sure that you left your envelope of money uh, on the right day to get your milk. Um, I think the same thing is happening if you look, especially in either areas of cities or areas of countries where there's, there's just lower income levels. Sharing is a necessity because 10 people can't go out and buy 10 hammers. They're going to share because it makes more sense to do it. Um, moving on to, to a slightly different uh, topic, how do you feel that the future of work will shape the consumer spending power? Talking here in, in Davos a lot about the fourth industrial revolution, a lot of people are afraid that this will mean a, a lot of jobless future for a lot of people. Uh, is this a concern that you share and how, how, are you, how are you thinking about this topic? So I think that's a really big topic uh, and it's certainly been uh, in a lot of the discussions we've had this week. So I'll, I'll kind of give you three or three or four different areas. First and foremost, um, especially from a consumer industries perspective, there's a direct correlation uh, between disposable income and what people can spend to consume, right? So the disposable and the consumption go together in a very you know, uh, symbiotic way. So there's a concern that if jobs are lost and people have less disposable income, that there'll obviously be a, 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 a knock-on effect into the industries. Because the consumer industries employ a lot of people, that could create um, you know, a, a very uh, anxious situation. Now I think that there's a lot that can be done uh, to mitigate that. So don't let it uh, don't don't let it um, lead you into believing that it's a, a terrible scenario. I do think it's a burning platform, though. Um, with, if you look at specifically with the jobs, we we think that there will be jobs that are going to go away, but there's also going to be new jobs that are going to be created. So and there'll be tasks that go away too. So there'll also be some changes in in the middle of it. So I think for the people affected. Um, the most important thing, especially, as com especially for a company, is to look at how you're building resilience into your organization and helping people constantly learn new skills and, and looking at reskilling not as an event that you're going to do when there's a crisis, but making sure you're building capability, especially with things uh, related to technology and how, how to deal in a digital environment. And then the last thing that I would say is that when we look at the job disruption, um, 
if you look at you know the, a lot of the conversation, it's really been focused around the hard skills part of it. When you think about some of the technologies that come in, they're going to they're they're more likely to replace the hard skills. So we've got to get a much stronger emphasis on the softer skills. Mm -hmm. So if you think about building in more skills around empathy, listening, um, you know, working to resolve problems in a way that's very human oriented, um, I think that that's where there's a lot of opportunity to help manage organizations, whether they're large or small, through some of the changes that are coming. We talked about technology as a, something that will have impact on economic growth, but these new technologies, the fourth industrial revolution, also some of them will have a big impact, I imagine, on the consumer industry itself. What are some of the technologies you're most excited about yeah, uh, that yeah, can yeah. shape yeah. Uh, the next 10 to 15 years? Yeah, I think there's a lot. So um, for one example, like just imagine you know, little things like you have a problem. Maybe you have a billing error on your, your um, mobile phone uh, bill. You call in, and all the things that you have to answer questions for, right? When, you know, what if the technology could actually get you a better experience right away, where they've already diagnosed your phone, they know where you are, they know if there's an outage problem, so they can actually be proactive instead of you having to call and say, I have a problem with my phone, they can realize that there's a problem with their phone, and you can actually get a push notification that tells you, hit these three buttons and your phone's going to be okay, right? So there can be, I think there can be an amazing level of service innovation that um, the technology can bring. I think there's also an, an element of personalization. So what, whether it's what you want in a product, what you want to see on a screen, the assortment that you'd like to look at um, on your, the website that you're you know, buying your groceries from or something like that, and getting what you want, um, where before businesses were built, especially in the consumption uh, or in the consumer industries, that were really around scale. So if I wanted to have um, a, a Diet Coke with flavor and no caffeine, the market for that was relatively small, right? Because you had to make that in a factory, you had to get it to a lot of stores to make sure it was available. Where now, um, you could have something that has got, you know, a very defined consumer demand because you're going to um, sell it in a different way. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to, get, to meet more needs with current brands and bring more personalization to that experience. And then I think there's just a, an amazing amount of efficiency and productivity that can be released, with especially with um, better forecasting, with a uh, better understanding of the supply chain, improved logistics, um, when you think about getting just products from A to B and doing that in the most efficient way, there's also some really nice effects um, that will be um, you know, inherent into the environment, right? So if you don't have trucks you know, sitting on a road when traffic, is, uh, you know, when traffic is really heavy, or if you know that you're going to run out or that you're going to have too much of products in stores, I think that you know, some of that technology is really going to help um, you know, the, the retailers and um, the suppliers just have a, a healthier business and work together to, to drive out waste. So an, an exciting future of opportunities for, yeah. uh, for change for the, the, the world of consumption and also a couple of risks that we allow. And now here in Davos, you're around a lot of global decision makers. If you had one message to them uh, around the, the future of, uh, of consumption, what would that be? Um, I, I think I'd have two messages. Okay. Can I have two? You can so have two. The first one would be, don't be afraid. Um, everybody's talking about the technologies, and you know, there's there's a lot of people who are trying to figure out what to do with it. Sometimes I think um, we can think too big on things. So try a few things. Get your feet wet. 
Um, because if you stand still, you're, you're really losing ground and you're losing ground quickly. So don't stand still, try something, do something, um, partner with someone, um, try to learn, right? Um, and then the second piece is I would tell them to collaborate because we've got to work um, not in silos, but together to help make sure that we can land um, the global economy through this jobs disruption piece because there, there can be a bright future on the other side but I don't think a single entity uh, can solve it alone. That was Elaine Coventry, Head of Commercial Leadership Western Europe at the Coca-Cola Company and Co-Chair of the Global Future Council on Consumption. My name is Rigas Hadzilakos and that was all from this week's episode of A Glimpse into the Future. <laughs>